Good morning and welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I am always excited to share the Word of God and to talk about what God is doing here and all over the world. And I'm even more excited today because my good brother, my mentor, my friend Jim Landley is in the studio with me, and we are going to have a great time today. So you have really picked a great time to tune in to the Joy FM. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Ken. It's an honor to be able to talk to you and uh, discuss what the Lord's doing overseas. Amen. Before we get going, I just want you to lead us in prayer to open us up. Then we will get into the conversation about the many exciting things. I know we can't talk about everything. We don't have enough time, but, <laughs> but we'll hit the highlights. Like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jim, would you open us up in prayer? Brother? Sure. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us, provided so many things that so many people overseas don't have. And so we pause to just say thank you, Father, for all that you've given us and all that you've provided we ask the Spirit of God to lead and guide us today to speak truth and to glorify you, Jesus, as our Savior and our Lord. We ask that uh, you would guide this time, that uh, you would be made much of, that the world would come to know you as Lord and Savior, uh, even through these testimonies that we're going to share today. And so thank you for this opportunity. Guide and direct us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this summer, we've really had a kind of an international tour of what God's doing overseas. We've had uh, Pierre Lucien with Give Us Hope Mission in Haiti on air with us, talking about the wonderful things God's doing there. We've had Brother Suhail on air with us, talking about Pakistan and just, wow, just unbelievable ministry that's going on there in Pakistan, reaching a nation that's like 99% unreached. It's, oh, it's just phenomenal. And now we're staying in Asia Moving a little further to the southeast part of Asia, where Jim and Keitha are serving in Thailand, and Myanmar as well. Just really waiting for a door to open up back up there, and we'll get into that in a second. But first of all, Jim, uh, for the folks who don't know you, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and where all God has used you at over the years. Well, um, I've been in ministry over 30 years, uh, in missions for about 20 years, uh, originally from Los Angeles. Uh, but I had to leave Egypt to come to the South to uh, to get saved, to get... Uh, come to the real L.A., yeah, Lower right. Alabama, right? That's right, Lower Alabama. <laughs> uh, but I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I didn't have any sort of faith foundation uh, coming up. But uh, through a VBS ministry when I was seven years old in uh, July of 1970, I came to know the Lord as my personal Lord and Savior. And after that, many years later, was discipled and then uh, called to ministry. And so I've uh, pastored some churches in Florida and done a lot of missions all over the world, which brings me to uh, where we're at now, which is in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And so in Chiang Mai, Thailand, we've been there about a, a, almost uh, 10 months and uh, have a real great ministry going there. Yeah, amen. And, and Jim, just to let people know also a little further background with uh, you and Keitha, your, your lovely wife, and me and Martha, we have um, served together on some mission trips. Uh, went to China and also to India and when y'all are in country, you're here at Love and Action serving locally as well. So um, we've known Jim and Keitha for a while now and, and are just blessed by their friendship. And I, I tell you, when, when I said Jim's my mentor, I learned so much just, just talking with them about the Word, because uh, Jim is, is very knowledgeable, very deep in the Word of God, and has really launched our, helped us launch the discipleship part of Love and Action to levels we've never been before, and including the Love and Action School of Discipleship, which our studio was in, 
that's just phenomenal with the DM squared and the, the 50 commands of Christ and Bible doctrine, the creation to Christ and apologetics and, and seeker study and, and more to come. Uh, so we're, we're just excited. And we're just thankful uh, for Jim and Keitha. And uh, it's good to have them around this summer, but they'll be heading back in August, right? Yeah, August uh, 16th, we'll be heading back to Chiang Mai. And a lot of uh, interesting things uh, going on after that. Well, tell us about Chiang Mai and the, and the ministry going on there. Uh, I, I'm sure there's just lots of Christians all over the place there, right? Uh, no. <laughs> lots of Buddhists. Yes. Uh, lots of uh, animists, but uh, not a whole lot of Christians. There is a Christian presence there, uh, and there are a lot of missionaries there as well in Chiang Mai. But the ministry really comprises mostly of the locals, the local Thai people that live there, and then also Karen people and Shan people and other ethnic groups, uh, uh, as well as Burmese people. And so primarily what uh, Keith and I do there in uh, Chiang Mai is uh, we do evangelism, of course, to the local Thai people and to um, some of the uh, minority peoples like the Shan people and the Karini people and the Lisu people, as well as uh, discipleship training as well as uh, helping pastors grow in their ministries, uh, teaching them DM squared. Uh, One particular pastor uh, that we work with has like tripled his church size just because of DM squared. And so um, a lot of success stories like that. The Lord is working, Ken. He's working in Chiang Mai, and the Spirit of God is reaching people. Yeah, amen. And if you want, you wonder what DM squared is. That that stands for disciples making disciple makers. And you can go to our website, loveinactionministries.com, and find out more about that and, and other discipleship classes and, and and studies that you'll probably hear us talk about here today. And Jim, I know um, y'all go out to some pretty rural places because I've seen the videos, man, of some of the roads that you have to traverse, and it's. Uh, it looks similar to some of the roads we've been on in Southeast Asia. And, and some people think, you know, roads in Geneva County are bad, but these are really, <laughs> <laughs> these are really rough. But y'all been to some very rural areas where people had never heard of the name of Jesus, much less the salvation that Jesus offers them. Tell us about when, when y'all encounter a people group. And, and hear Jim talk about different peoples. and that, Those are people groups. that we, we are all made up of people groups. And these are people groups, many of which have never, they're, they're called unreached people groups. Tell us when you go into these, uh, they're villages. They're not cities. They're villages that you go into uh, after you make it across some interesting roads. Tell us what happens when you go into one of those villages. Yeah, well, we get opportunities often to um, do things like set up water purification uh, systems, uh, or we get opportunities to uh, replace a roof, a metal roof on a school or a metal roof on a, a building that they have up there. And so a lot of times we're five and a half hours up, you know, pretty treacherous roads. Uh, and then when we get up there, uh, we usually... Uh, our caravan of trucks that go up there and we bring food and we bring materials and we just basically serve the people. We, we meet their humanitarian needs. Like we bring them food. Uh, sometimes we bring metal roofing or whatever is needed or the supplies for the uh, water purification systems. And then when we get there, we just sort of assess, you know, uh, what's the level of Buddhism in the camp? You know, maybe it's like 95% Buddhism or maybe a hundred percent. Uh, Buddhists. And then uh, oftentimes as we are developing those relationships, we have opportunity to share one-on-one or in small groups 
uh, about the love of Jesus. Or many times we even bring up uh, uh, projectors that uh, run on batteries and show them the Jesus film. I remember when we uh, were going to show the Jesus film in India and uh, things didn't quite work out. The, the enemy was really coming against that. and uh, But man, uh, God really turned that around into a, an awesome time of sharing the gospel. He sure did. You know, here in Dothan, we do have people of all faiths. Um, some people may not really realize that because they don't get outside of their sphere of influence. But, you know, we have Buddhists here. We have Muslims. We have just non-believers, period. Atheists. When you are in a village with 95 to 100% Buddhists, how do you reach them with Jesus? Yeah, it's a really good question. So basically, Buddhism teaches that your life force, your your soul, if you will, has to inhabit several bodies in order to get rid of what's called a bad karma or your the bad things that you do. And so as you live many, many, many different lives, you begin to eradicate this bad karma. And then eventually uh, you come to a point where you're perfected and then you become one with meaningless nothingness. You just dissipate into the universe. And so what I try to help them to understand is that um, life has more purpose than that. And uh, we know this for a fact. We live with purpose. But what kind of purpose are you living if you're just meditating to become one with meaningless nothingness, right? right? We all have desires. We all have goals. We all have things we want to achieve, and they do too. And so what I really try to show them is that Christ offers us hope in ways that Buddhism cannot. And Buddhism, really, a lot of Buddhists are very interested in heaven, especially, because the idea of heaven is very uh, appealing to them. I guess uh, in juxtaposition to going into, like, nothing, becoming a vapor, you know, heaven does sound a lot better, you know, a place to go, uh, a place where you live, a place that has no pain or suffering or anything like that. And so I show them how a Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, proved that he was unlike any other person. Buddhists are very much into reincarnation, but I show them how Jesus, upon his resurrection, he was the same as he was before, and that there is no real, this idea of, um, you know, having several different lives, but that you just have this one life, and then after that, the judgment, and Jesus is the only way that can get you there. He's the only Savior. He's the only name by which we can be saved, and he is the one that offers us hope both here in this world and in the one to come. Amen. And I've, I've seen Jim witness to people who who are Hinduism and, and just non-believers. And as the Bible tells us, do, um, do it very humbly and, and with respect for others and mainly with the love of Christ. And, and you start seeing people's eyes open up and realize, oh, there is something else to life. Because definitely living a life so you can become nothing is, is pretty depressing and, yeah, and, and it, empty and void. It is. And there's sort of a distancing your mind from the reality around you. It's this idea of, of meditating to eliminate the bad ideas or eliminate the bad thoughts. You sort of distance yourself from things. And, but we're not made to be that way, Ken. We're, we're made to be in relationship. You know, we're made to be people who interact with each other. And uh, isn't it great that our God is the same way? He wants us to interact with him. He wants the relationship with us. Jesus wants a relationship with us. And so I tried to show them how that relationship is powerful and meaningful and purposeful and meant to be. And so, um, you know, of course, you do that very respectfully. You want to 
make sure that they understand that you love them, that you care for them. And uh, this is something you want to share with them because it's going to be for their good, for their hope, and for their future. Right. And when you meet those felt needs, that's the starting point. We've always said at Love and Action that we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through acts of compassion. And that's exactly what you're talking about. They they need water. So you come in there and you're able to put in some fresh water pumps and or, or they need roofs on their houses or they need food. And so you're meeting those needs and they realize, okay, these people come a long ways to, to help us. So, so obviously they care about us. And that does open the door to them being open to what we have to say to them. Right. And oftentimes they don't have people come and do that for them. Uh, they're just living way up in the mountains with uh, often no running water and no electricity and uh, often just sort of forgotten. You know, they're up there living a very agrarian life and you know, growing rice or whatever they can and trying to eke out a living for themselves and their children. And then we come up there and we really try to help them and love them with uh you know, when we do go up to those villages, we do feed the entire village three meals a day. Mm. And sometimes we even bring ice cream, which is, <laughs> believe me, it's a chore to try to ice that ice cream down for five hours up a mountain and hope it doesn't <laughs> melt. But uh, just to see the look on those kids' faces, a lot of them for eating ice cream for the first time, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. And, and like you said, not many people, if any at all, goes to those rural villages. I, I remember our lead pastor, Nepal, uh, during the height of the pandemic, uh, we were able to help get food to people. And he said the people up in the Himalayas and those rural villages were saying, nobody has helped us except for you. Tell us about Jesus. Because uh, they never heard about Jesus. But they realized, hey, these people care about them because they're meeting a need and nobody else is doing this. So there must be something to this. So anytime you can meet needs for people, even here in Dothan in the Wiregrasses, we're finding people who are who are hungry because when one in six are food insecure, there's some people who are going without regular meals. And when we're able to meet those needs, it opens the doors to, to share Jesus. And through that, here, over there, everywhere, we've seen lives changed because of that simple act of kindness, of love that our Savior tells us to do. Yeah, and uh, I think another thing is, that we have to get over our fears. In particular, I'm, I'm thinking of a time when um, Keith and I were invited to uh, go to a particular village, and uh, we were told uh, about halfway there that the entire village was COVID positive. And we had to make a decision, you know, do we go and help them and share the love of Christ, or do we play safe? Well, we decided to just go ahead and go. So we went to the village and uh, put a roof on a school and uh, bless those kids and shared the gospel with folks and saw some people come to faith in Jesus. And, uh, well, my wife, my, my beautiful bride, ended up with COVID as a result of it. I didn't get it. I don't know how that happened. I think that's just the grace of God. But, you know, we all have to ask the question, what are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? What are we willing to sacrifice so that the homeless here can eat? What are we willing to sacrifice so people can hear the gospel? What are we willing to sacrifice uh, overseas, uh, our safety, our health? Uh, how important is the gospel? How important is heaven that we would be willing to take chances to do it? And those are questions I ask all the time. And I think those are questions that we all need to ask if we're going to see the gospel go forward and the kingdom grow. Right. And the history of the church, uh, Christians run to those people 
um, whether it's the, the leper camps, whether it's the plague, or whether it's COVID. In COVID, we saw some different reactions that, that weren't so good. But the, uh, the, the gospel calls us to go. There's no stipulations. Uh, go if, if everything is just right, then go. Or <laughs> go if it's only in a comfortable setting. Or go if there's no diseases. No, no, he says go. And he doesn't set any stipulations on anything other than go. And he, Jesus showed us that, uh, obviously, while he was uh, walking on this earth. And his disciples, the apostles did too. So we need to really change course. Now, there's, there's always remnants of people. God has who are doing God's work no matter what. You know, we're seeing that uh, even in the war where Russia, you know, just come in and just, you know, is obliterating the country. But there's still Christians who are going there to help people. And that's what the Lord calls us to do. Yeah. And even uh, there's a part of the world now that many people uh, probably aren't familiar with, but Myanmar, which uh, was formerly known as Burma, is, uh, has the longest ongoing civil war of any country in the world, uh, to my understanding. And um, right now, uh, there's so much fighting going on that there's a huge refugee issue. A lot of them are pouring over the Thai border, and we see a lot of uh, refugee camps where it's primarily children and women because a lot of the men get end up getting killed in their villages. And so a lot of times, uh, Keith and I will go to those uh, refugee camps and take food to them and the love of Christ to them. And, uh, you know, wartime is a, a terrible time. Uh, people uh, don't know where their next meal is going to come from. They don't, uh, they're worried about their safety. They're worried about their houses. And right now in Myanmar, a lot of terrible things are happening with villages being burned down and uh, like landmines being put in to prevent people from going back. And so um, there's a big, huge uh, refugee crisis there that my wife and I And uh, the other uh, folks that we work with, Empower International and others, are trying to do something about. And there are believers and pastors in Myanmar still there, still taking care of orphans, still taking care of other believers, and we're able to get them food and supplies uh, through various methods so that they can continue to share the gospel while they're in that war-torn country. Yes, and Myanmar is very close to our hearts. It uh, is. We, we've been there on a couple of occasions, and uh, we have an orphanage there, and I actually just took in a, a new child oh, wow. um, from, from the Chin State. And uh, the, uh, you know, have, have a, a college that we sponsor over there, too, to make disciples and, and uh, a church and just a, a number of different things going on. But, but, but like I said, those, those pastors are, and their families are – persevering through it all. And you and Keitha were in Myanmar um, when the pandemic first started, really, and, and before the the military coup happened, which has really sent the country into worse turmoil. Um, tell us about, about your experiences in Myanmar, because I know y'all, y'all had some explosive experiences. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, I remember one night uh, we were in our uh, apartment, and uh, felt the building shake, and I thought, oh, earthquake, you know. I'm used to going through those in Myanmar, in the city that we were in. But it wasn't because then I felt uh, another uh, shaking of the building and realized that the um, defense forces or the, the people who were fighting against the, the military uh, junta were firing um, 
mortars over our apartment oh into gosh. the military bases about a couple of miles past us. And so the shaking of our building was those mortars hitting the military bases. Uh, <laughs> so that made for a kind of a, a interesting evening. That's a comforting feeling as yeah. you go, try to go to sleep, right? That's right. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, sh gently rocking the building oh, well, so yeah, that okay. you can, right, so you can so fall bad, asleep. Then. Yeah, there you go. And then uh, another time we were uh, in northern Sean State, and um, I remember, again, uh, we were in a, a small little hostel that we were sp spending the night in, and I felt uh, it shake. And uh, these were uh, cannon rounds going into the side of a mountain. And uh, the next day, the streets were filled with military and uh, all these guys walking around with guns and machine guns and stuff. And we were out there handing water and trying to make conversations and trying to share Jesus with them. So it is an interesting place to do ministry, uh, for sure. Yeah. And when you're, you're in Thailand, you're also you're, you're ministering there. And like I said, these refugee camps... Uh, from the, the Burmese coming across the border, uh, you're, you're able to help there, and you're able to get some help inside uh, of Burma. And we, I know we can't go into all of that, but to, to the extent that you can talk about it, what's the the, the current situation uh, in Burma, and how's the help taking place? Okay, so my understanding, at least at this time is that the military junta is losing a lot of ground. The uh, People's Defense Forces are doing a really good job um, with uh, combating uh, what's going on there with the military. Um, and so uh, my understanding is that the uh, military junta has started what's called a scorched earth campaign where they're just kind of randomly going in and bombing and burning villages to the ground. Uh, and then my understanding is they, they put landmines in to keep the people from going back and rebuilding. So a lot of these people flee into the into the jungle, literally the jungle, and they have to try to survive there. Uh, and so they they make these makeshift uh, little places that they can stay. And there are organizations that go in and uh, find where these folks are and uh, try to get them help with uh, water and uh, mosquito nets and food. And then uh, there's also organizations uh, like the Free Burma Rangers that go and try to warn those villages uh, ahead of time so that they can get out and escape before uh, the military junta goes in and, uh, and bombs them. As far as uh, the way we get help in, um, lots of folks uh, will uh, take their trucks across the border in different places and bring food uh, into those uh, villages and those places where the fighting is going on. A lot of time the people will escape over the border, just over the border, like, like maybe across a river, and then uh, we'll meet them and, uh, and help them set up a, sort of a, a small camp there uh, to make sure that the children are you know, fed and if there's any medical needs, they're, they're met. And, of course, we share the, the love of Christ with them uh, as well. Um, and so it's, it's a very um, fluid situation there with uh, trying to – find ways uh, to get help to those people that need it, to the pastors that need it, getting Bibles to the pastors, getting uh, materials to the pastors, getting money to the pastors so that they can put gas in their vehicles and be able to do the ministry that, uh, that they continue to do inside that country, and then helping those uh, Burmese refugees that come over the border that we can meet and uh, help with them. And one other thing, um, Ken, human trafficking is a big issue there as well, especially with uh, the refugees. Imagine, if you will, a Burmese um, 
refugee camp with about 400 children in it of, of ages between, you know, toddlers and uh, teenagers. And then mostly ladies, uh, their mothers or their grandparents with them, and not very many men. Now, many of those ladies are going to have to go to work. They're going to have to go out into the fields, work the fields, so that they can support those kids, which leaves those children completely without any supervision. And we've uh, heard firsthand accounts of children drowning in the river because they were unsupervised or children even like burning their house down because they were playing with matches. But the worst part is the traffickers. They'll go in and they'll scout these places out and they'll grab these kids and they'll use them in in human trafficking. So it's a very broad and diverse uh, situation that we face with uh, human trafficking and the food and, and just all the things that are involved. And just we need a lot of prayer and uh, a lot of people to even volunteer to come and help us. Yes, and as you're listening to this, I hope you're appreciating what you're hearing. As we go about our everyday life uh, here in Dothan throughout the Wiregrass, Panhandle of Florida, there's some serious business taking place overseas, really, and, and people are risking their lives to help others and to bring food, water, medicines, and most importantly, the gospel to people. And we don't hear that much about Myanmar anymore since the Ukraine war, Russia war started up. And we, we heard a lot about it when, when the military coup first started. And so things kind of, kind of disappear and go into the background in, in our busy world. But I, I really hope you appreciate what you're hearing today and that you will say, you know what, I'm going to pray for people there in Burma, Thailand, and really all around the world, because there are Christians all over the world who are putting their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel. And Jim, some people may be out there saying, and we only got a couple of minutes left. Uh, We'll have to do a part two. But um, some people are are out there saying, why? why? Why do you put your life on the line for people we've never heard of before? Well, the simple answer is gratefulness for the Lord who put his life on the line for me. I'm just grateful that he came to this world. He died on a cross and shed his blood so I could be forgiven. He was put in a tomb, and three days later he rose from the dead. And I'm just so grateful to him for saving me. And so for me, it's like my life, I want it to be spent in giving him honor and giving him glory. And can I dearly love and care for those people? And I want them to know the peace that I have and the joy that I have and the hope that I have for the future. Amen. And you can help. You can help us with proclaiming the gospel in these areas, with getting food to children who are who are literally starving and medicines and, and fresh water. You, you can do that by sending a financial donation. Uh, you can send that to Love in Action. And our address is P.O. Box 85, Dothan, Alabama, 36302. That's P.O. Box 85, Dothan, Alabama, 36302. And you can also give securely online via PayPal and the Venmo app. Just go to our website, loveinactionministries.com, and you can see the, the links there to, to give electronically. And all of it is tax deductible as well. But all we ask you to do is in the memo of your check or in the description of your online gift, just put 
Landley's or Jim Landley uh, in that description. So we know that money needs to go to that ministry, and Jim and Keith are going to use it to help the people who the Lord sends them to, including those those children and, and, and women who are in the refugee camps and in other horrible situations. And we just ask you to, to pray and to, uh, to help us because people need to hear the gospel. People need to know that Jesus died and rose again for them and bring salvation. And Jim, we're gonna have to end it right there. We I told you thirty minutes goes by. I always it tell sure people does. thirty Time minutes flies goes when by you're fast. having fun with friends. Huh? That's right, it does. <laughs> it does. But uh, uh, you'll join us next week, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. So I encourage you to join us again next week. And until then, just have a great week. Know that Jesus loves you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.